What a blessing it is. I tell you, having the children up here and hearing the story from their young voices and uh, hearing from their hearts about this marvelous season, this incredible gift that God gave at this time uh, is just wonderful. Amen. And so we want to continue to hear that story in this season. It's so, so good for us to hear it. I'm going to be reading from Luke 2, uh, 10 through 16, and uh, it's going to sound very familiar because it will be about the third time you've heard this part of the story, and so it won't get boring, uh, but it's so good to hear the repetition, to hear from different angles, and to think about uh, this amazing gift that happened. You're going to find this uh, passage on page 857 of the Bibles that are out there. And let me just uh, encourage you, if you do not own a Bible, change that today. Change that today. I I would love for you to take one of these Bibles home with you. If you don't own a Bible, if you don't have one in your home, write your name in it, begin to study it, begin to read it, especially in this season. It's so great. And receive that as a gift uh, from Faith Fellowship Church. Well, I'm going to be picking up this story, part of, this, of the passage that we heard in the pageant, uh, and, and it's where I had left off last weekend, uh, and it's at that appearance of the shepherds, this amazing uh, announcement that was made uh, by the angel. Uh, I've asked Stephanie uh, Greer to come, and she's going to play uh, once again as a time of reflection upon the Word of God as, as I conclude. So let's look at uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger.
Father God, we thank you for that holy night that we celebrated this season. We thank you for all that you had in mind to do through the gift of your Son, our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Advent expectation focuses on these four themes, hope, salvation, joy, and peace. And we began a few weeks ago. First, we learned that joy, uh, that, that hope is something we have to take hold of. It's like a, a cord or a rope. If we uh, look at the, uh, at the word in Hebrew, I love it, that it, it's like a, a lifeline that would be thrown to you. And what do you have to do with that? We learned you've got to take hold of it. You've got to take hold of hope. And that's our part. He, he casts hope to us. And then we take hold of that and, and it pulls us forward. Next, we, we learn that we have to receive salvation. We receive the accomplished work of salvation. But we also uh, are aware that he continues to do that work. It's a process that he continues to do in us. How many of you know he's still working on us? Yeah. And so he is at work. So what about finding your joy, this third candle? And the truth is that joy can be difficult at this time of year. <laughs> I love that picture. I found it about six years ago. And I just hang on to it. I go and look for it <laughs> for a special occasion. Because it says to me, some mom had the best of intentions, didn't she? She was going to make such a great picture with her three kids. And she was going to send it out on postcards. And it just didn't work. Maybe they got it together a little bit later. I'm, I'm not so sure. But it, this is a hard time of year. It can be a, a rather difficult season. Amen? Yeah. So I wrote a little song. It'll, it'll sound a little bit familiar. Uh, but uh, it goes like this. On the first week of Advent, my true love said to me, I hope we can find a nice tree. That's the beginning, isn't it? Maybe I should pitch that a little bit lower. I hope we can find a nice tree. Why don't you sing that with me? I hope we can find a nice tree. Everything's good so far. On the second week of Advent, my true love said to me, got to send the cards, time to do the shopping, put up the lights, decorate the house, clean for the party, go get the kids, Lord, come and save me. See, it's salvation. That's the second... And sing the next part. And I hope we can find a nice tree. And comes the third week. <laughs> On the third week of Advent, an idea came to me. Too late for cards. Have you seen the neighbor's yard? Presents on the way, but how will we pay? Let's run away. And I doubt we can find a nice tree. Sing that with me. And I doubt we can find a nice tree. Sometimes it goes a little bit like that. Truth is, joy can be a difficult time of year for a whole lot of reasons. And, and we laugh a little bit about it. Or at least I, I want to laugh a little bit about it. But we are all also aware that people are dealing with significant loss at this time of year. It's a hard time of year. Uh, for a whole bunch of other reasons. Some people would rather just get past this season. I talk to people 
They say, this is just the toughest time for me. And how am I supposed to find joy? Why joy? <laughs> Are you serious? And, and yet it comes in this third week of Advent. Some traditions have different names for the candles. Uh, but the third one is always joy. They, they have different traditions attached. They're all pretty close. The third one is always joy. And the third candle is always a rose-colored candle. I found myself wondering about that. Is that like rose-colored glasses? I mean, why is it rose-colored? And I'll tell you, it's a big deal because I've been doing this for years and years. And I've seen some families that get up and they start to to light the wrong candle. Like they're going to light the rose candle on the second week and someone will grab their hand and wrestle with them a little bit. We'll have an arm wrestling contest. (laughs) That's not what it's about. (laughs) It's not that important. But I looked it up. You know, what is it? It might might be something you're already aware of. It represents the heart. And and joy is a matter of the heart. It's deeper than emotion. But it is a decision of the heart when we choose joy. When we choose to rejoice. And we do that even in the midst of the hard and difficult times. Christmas story has a whole lot of joy and a lot of decisions of the heart. Let me just remind you of a few uh, moments that, that we've already studied. The announcement of the angel to Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth is going to bear you a son. He's going, wait a minute, I'm an old guy. <laughs> and, and he says, uh, you're going to bear a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness. It's almost like a command. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice. Many will rejoice at his birth. Visit of Mary to Elizabeth. It's a little bit later. Elizabeth is her aunt Elizabeth. She's in this crisis pregnancy and she goes to see her. And, and, uh, and Elizabeth says, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, she's also pregnant with John. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Wow. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. What an amazing moment. And she knew that the baby inside her was the very first person to worship the Lord Jesus. What was the unborn baby in the womb? You know, if you ever have questions or or if you're ever asked, you know, uh, is an unborn baby a person? The Bible is super clear on it. And we need to know that. The announcement of the angel to the shepherds that we just read. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Let's say it strong. Great joy. I won't make you sing the whole song like Pastor Ann did. (laughs) But great joy down in our hearts. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And when the wise men, the wise guys, the magi showed up. Uh, When they saw the star, they rejoiced uh, with exceeding great joy. They made the choice to rejoice. We were talking about that might be a a really good bumper sticker. Make the choice to rejoice uh, all, all the time. Not everybody was full of joy, at least not immediately. I mean, it's a complicated story, isn't it? Especially those most directly impacted by all of this. The Bible tells us really clearly that Mary was greatly troubled 
when she heard about this plan of God to take over her body uh, for the birth of a Savior. That's nice that there's going to be a Savior, but you're going uh, you're to take over my plans and everything that I had in mind. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Calm down. For you have found favor with God. That word, I, I looked it up early this morning. I thought, what is that word? I, th- I thought I knew. Greatly troubled is the word diatereso. It sound, it's where we get the word stressed. Mary was stressed out. Any of you ever get that way at Christmas? Any ladies get stressed out? Yeah, a few of you. You're not the first. She was the first. And finally she says, oh, well, I'm the servant of the Lord, so let it be to me according to your word. That was her faith. And the angel departed. But there's no mention of joy. She's not jumping up and down. She's not singing a song, at least not yet. Finally, she rejoices in God, my Savior, It's called the Magnificat. Uh, But she rejoices in God, my Savior, after being encouraged by Elizabeth and what Elizabeth says, that what is in you is the Savior. And, And I know that. But Joseph, he was very upset. I mean, very upset. Today, we would word it this way. He basically said, no, I'm done. That That's essentially what he did. I, I kind of hate that phrase because you know what? Don't say that because God's not done. Amen. God's not done. So, so be careful about that. But when he learned that Mary was pregnant, he said, well, I'm going to divorce her. I mean, she has the weirdest ex- explanation you can ever imagine. And so I'm gonna, I'll be quiet about it, but I'm going to divorce her um, because that's what you had to do uh, when you were betrothed. And then he learns from an angel in a dream that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the angel says, give him the name Jesus because he will save, which means savior, because he will save his people from their sins. And when Joseph woke up, listen to what he did. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded. That's what scripture says. It doesn't say he rejoiced. It doesn't say that he had great joy, exceeding great joy. He doesn't have any of that. What he did was he got up and did the next thing that was called for. And, and listen to this is a big truth. Sometimes. Joy is expressed by getting up, walking forward, and doing the next right thing. And it's not necessarily with laughter, and and sometimes it's with some tears in our eyes. I'd like you to read that out loud. It's not scripture, but it is scriptural. Let's say that out loud together. Sometimes joy is expressed by getting up, walking forward, and doing the next right thing. How do I know that? I know that because I've done that, but I know it even more because I see it. I see it a lot. I've seen this year, I've seen in the past couple of years, people who, when there is devastation, when there is loss, when there are the hardest things that I can ever imagine, what they do is they get up, walk forward, and do the next right thing. See, the truth is that joy is always something bigger than circumstances. We get it confused with with happiness, and it's not the same. The Bible, I I looked it up because, you know, I like to count words and find out how many of this and how many of that. But the Bible uses the word happy and happiness about 30 times. That's hardly at all. I I mean, the Bible's a big old book, and only about 30 times does the Bible use the word happiness or happy. But the words joy and rejoice appear over 300 times. 10 times. 10 to 1 joy over happiness. Pastor Ann t- 
taught about that. It's really a powerful message for us. It appears 53 times in the book of Psalms, but also eight times joy in the book of Job. It's amazing. Jesus talked about joy and he gave us a powerful lesson about it in John 16. He said, I tell you the truth. Now, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's not because anything else has been a fib. How many of you know that? Yeah, he doesn't fib, okay? But he says, I tell you the truth to say, really listen to this. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. The world is rejoicing. We've had that where the world is rejoicing about things that grieve us. And we need to have our our minds and our eyes and our hearts open for that. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. That's a promise. The grief that we have, the hard things that we struggle with are going to be turned to joy. He gives an illustration. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Now, it's not immediate. I always say, don't suggest another baby right after birth has been given. I just, I tell my sons that, all right? But he goes on, he says, so with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. That is the joy of the Lord. That's biblical joy. There's several words for it in in Hebrew and in Greek. Uh, They basically mean to brighten up in the spirit. It's more than happiness. To brighten up in the spirit. And also it's an active verb to rejoice to choose to be glad. It's also a word that's related to the word for grace, uh, kara, uh, to be cheerful, calmly happy because of his grace. So how do we find biblical joy? How do we get that? Is biblical joy something we, we do or something that God does? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, it's something that we do We choose, but it's also something that God does. It's both a gift from God and a response by us. So joy comes when we know God's grace and enjoy his favor, but it's also something we choose to receive. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Boy, that's way up on the list, isn't it? It's really important. It's it's one of the primary evidences that God's spirit resides in you. So the amazing thing is that God can turn mourning into joy. One of our songs talked about that uh, this morning as we were worshiping. Jeremiah 31 says, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I know there's been a lot of sorrow. I don't know many who have not had some sorrow in the last couple of years. And he will turn our mourning into joy. Turn, give us gladness in place of sorrow. But it's a choice. Joy is the choice to rejoice. I, I love this, um, this sort of psalm that we find in Isaiah 61. I'd like for us to read it out loud together because it's so powerful as part of our worship. Let's read this out loud. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. 
He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. I exult in the Lord. Not in the circumstance, not in the tough stuff that's going on, but in the midst of that, but I exult in the Lord. See, the Bible teaches us that we can learn something. We can learn how to count our difficulties as joy. It's in the book of James. You may be familiar with it. Count it all joy. Wow. Make an accounting of this hard thing as joy. Why? When you meet various trials uh, of various kinds... For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Well, if we know that God is working in us, we can count it as joy, even in the hard, hard times that we encounter. We also discover that the joy of the Lord is strength. It's the thing that makes us strong. We're going to study this after the first of the year in the book of Nehemiah. After they repent, they realize we messed up big time, but now we have repented before the Lord and they're really sad about it. Nehemiah says, go your way and and rejoice. (laughs) Eat the fat (laughs) and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this Day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say that with me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's something that when we get it, will carry us through the most difficult challenges and the hardest of times. You know, I, I was looking at this word, and I don't know why I think this way, probably because I like Scrabble. But in Scrabble, joy has only 13 points. Uh, and it, I like to play, we like to play Scrabble. And after, after Christmas is when we'll get to play Scrabble. But, um, but it only has 13 points. But that depends on where you play it, right? How many of you play Scrabble? A few of you. Okay. So it depends on where you play it, doesn't it? If you play it at the very beginning of the game, Joy has 26 points. Well, that's a win. That's a good place, isn't it? So that's important. If you play it in the corner, that's my favorite spot, it's 39 points. Say, ooh, yeah. And, and so joy, joy in the corner is great. But, but if, if you play it in the corner with another word, if you play it in the corner with Jesus, wow, all of a sudden it's 79 points. Say, Wow. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Jeff, Jesus is a proper name, and you can't even play that. Well, if I'm in the corner with Jesus, I dare you to challenge me on that, okay? I really do. After Christmas, I'm going to play that, okay? But I'll tell you that when I'm in the corner, when life corners you, you want to be in the corner with Jesus, and that's a score. And that's biblical joy. How do we get there? Jesus actually told us, and it's in a a short passage that I want us to look at here uh, as as we conclude. But in John 15, uh, he says in verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So we want to know what that means. But you got to back up a little bit in that passage of Scripture. And, And number one is to abide in his love. Verse 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And so we've got to do that. And that's huge. 
As the Father has loved me, I have loved you with that kind of love, that huge love. And as the Father has loved me, abide in that love. Don't get in a battle with Jesus over who loves the most. Do you ever do that? He loved you first. And he loves you the most. You know, whenever I periodically think of my daughter, um, I send her a little message on a text. I've, I've just gotten used to doing this. And I'll send her a message and it, I just say, love you. And she's really busy because she's always doing all kinds of things for her church and filming productions and things like that. But when I know when she sees it, she's going to respond. And this is how she responds. More. <laughs> you ever get in those little battles with someone that you love? Yeah. Love you more. And, and so when I see that response, I always reply, most. Because <laughs> that, that, that should shut it down, you know. But she always comes back and she says, nope. <laughs> it's just her response, you know. And then that could go on for a long, long time. But I usually end the, deba- the debate by saying, first, what can she say? She has no choice but to surrender. She says, you got me. <laughs> because I did love her first. And I've told her this. I said, when you were only six weeks old, when you were as big as the fingernail on my little finger, I found out about you. (laughs) And I rejoiced in you. And I knew you were here. Yeah, you're coming, but you were here. And so I rejoice in that. And I loved you first. And so I win. And then her final response always warms my heart. (laughs) Because uh, she loves me a lot. And I think it must warm the heart of God when we realize he loved us first. He loved us first. And that warms his heart. When we realize that and when we abide in that, how do you do that? That's the next part of that passage in verse 10. Keep his commandments. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You'll be under my protection. You'll be walking in the way that I want you to walk. That's the definition of abiding, living in his love. This is trusting that his way is higher than your way and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So we need to do that. The third is to ask. You know, sometimes people say, I'm just having trouble finding it. I just, I'm just not having the joy. Ask. John 16 says, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete, will be filled up. James says, uh, you have not because you ask not. Scripture actually commands us to rejoice, so he, he supplies that. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Philippians 4. So we ask, and then we receive. We have to receive his joy in you. Verse 11, the one that I first read. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Receive that. The purpose of his word, the purpose of his speaking, his teaching, is that we would be full with joy. That word is an amazing word. It's a, uh, the Greek word. I want you to say it with me. It's plerao. Say that with me. Plerao. It means to make replete. Well, that doesn't help a lot. That's an old-fashioned word. But to level up, just like if you had, we were putting flour into a, a can to measure it out, and you, and you level it up on the top. So you have the right, exactly the right amount. But it's even more than that. It means to be cr- complete or crammed full. I don't think you cram the flour in, but 
He wants to cram you full of joy. Wow. Jesus wants you to have so much joy that you cannot possibly stand anymore. Someone say hallelujah. I I receive it in Jesus' name. Even in hard times. Because it's not an emotion. It's something, it's a decision to walk forward with him and, and to experience that fullness of joy. The final thing is to give joy. Jesus said in in Luke 6, and we hear it from time to time, give and it will be given to you. It's it's such a fundamental kind of principle of God. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I could wrap that this week. (laughs) I'll spare you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use in giving, it will be measured back to you. Now, people preach that about money. Well, it probably applies to money. But the context is actually forgiveness. Give forgiveness and you will receive forgiveness. Give grace and you will receive grace. Uh, Give graciously and you will receive graciously. And when you give joy, you will find your joy. You know, they call this a season of giving, but it's more than just gifts under the tree. It's about a lot of different ways that we give. How do you do that? It's a different kind of giving. And and giving joy might be through a gift under under the tree, but it could be just in in recognizing a need. I love this thing that Christy Crow, our our children's director, is doing with with children right now. She calls it rack. I never heard of this, but it's random acts of Christmas kindness. And they have these little cards, and it has a candy cane on it, and they go deliver these in different places as a random act of Christmas kindness. It's such a special, sweet thing. But for us, it might be spotting a need and meeting that need. It might be in the life of a person in your family or your neighborhood or your church or just the need in your church or something just to help out. To spot a need. And, and it gives joy. When we bring joy, we receive joy. How many of you know that? Boy, I get so much joy in giving. So those are the keys. Let him love you. Abide in his love. Ask for joy. Receive his joy. And give joy. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper. And as we're preparing for that, we have a duet uh, with flute and oboe. Uh, And as we're preparing, uh, make sure that you have the elements. If you don't have the elements, please raise your hand back in the back, back in the back. Is there anybody else who needs the elements? Okay. We want to make sure that you get those. They're coming around. Back. Raise your hand again. And we're going to uh, prepare our hearts uh, to receive the Lord's Supper.
We give thanks for this gift that God gave us to connect and to remember and to rejoice in the great, great sacrifice of Jesus for our salvation. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you that you loved us first. (laughs) And you loved us richly and deeply and greatly through the gift of your son, our Lord Jesus. We rejoice in that, in this season, in Jesus' name, amen.